1: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic. And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast.
3: All right, good morning. Welcome into the show here on CBS Sports Radio. Bill Ryder with you on this Wednesday. A lot of stuff to unpack and get into over the next couple hours, Major League Baseball's trade deadline has come and gone. There's been some movement. The Mets, in particular, sellers we will get into the winners and the losers of yesterday's deadline deals and the non-deals, those that should have happened, with our buddy Jim Bowden, former GM, MLB analyst, guru, including at CBS Sports HQ. That is one hour from this very moment. Tom DeCelestino will continue to do the impossible and defend Trey Lance as the future of the quarterback position. That should be interesting. There's no defending, at least from my perspective, the way the Patriots have handled Mac Jones. Bill Belichick was asked a question, and the answer just reinforces how Jones has been set up to fail in New England. Doesn't mean he will. That's been the reality. We'll get into that. Update for you on the Pac-12 situation. Some details emerge. We started the show yesterday with the dire reality for the Pac12 and the fact that this rights deal that they were discussing yesterday was going to be and will be critical to the survival if they survive of that conference. It's unlikely that I think that they do, it doesn't mean they won't. It's Apple TV plus, it's interesting. It's not it's not a they're not out of the woods yet, but maybe there's a glimmer of hope if you want to close your eyes and pretend everything's going to be okay. We've got a marvelous buy or sell and a Tom de Celestino I like to mess with. Here's a little inside of the show. So, so I'm in L.A. I'm in Los Angeles, California. It's where I live. It's where I host the show from. Tommy over there, Mr. Mister uh, New Jersey, is in Manhattan, a place he only goes to to go to the office. He's never been anywhere outside of the office. And so we're communicating on this tech, fancy-schmancy technology, but we got Skype. We can see each other on the old Skype. And so before the show starts, I can what's called talk down the line to him. I can just say, you know, hey, Tom, how's your morning? We can talk to each other. And sometimes I'll wait till someone comes in the studio, and it was Pat Boyle just a moment ago, who's a very talented uh, producer and, and host, filling in and here on CBS Sports Radio and, and WFAN. I think you probably hear most often on, on on DA's show before us. And Pat walked in, and just because I think it's funny, I go, hey, Tom, how'd it go with that guy you punched at uh, at church? And Tom, who has not punched anyone that I know of anywhere, including Particularly at church, uh, how did how did that? Uh, my goal is just to elicit awkwardness and to make you feel awkward, and I find it funny. Did, but I couldn't see, couldn't see Pat. I just knew he was in there.
4: Uh, yes, Pat heard exactly what you said. There was no verbal response from Mister Boyle. Uh, he did give me a very awkward look, like Diesel. I never expected you to punch someone in that church. So yes, I had to very briefly explain to Pat that uh, Bill is just joking. That okay, actually did not happen.
3: I've mellowed a lot. We used to have, now Spike Gaskin's the boss, it used to be Mark Chernoff, who's a legendary former program director, who you would agree is a great guy, right? But Absolutely. But it's Mark Chernoff. He kind of talks. I can't do a Mark Chernoff very well. Mark would occasionally walk in, and when Stu was producing, I would often just say, hey, Stu, what happened with those three different girls you were dating that found out about each other? When Chernoff would be in this, <laughs> just because I thought it was funny.
4: Yeah, you're, uh, you like to make things awkward for your
3: producers. You can say it. I'm a good guy. <laughs> I'm a good guy. All right, so um, in my home state of Iowa, we've got a story playing out in Ames at Iowa State that at least I'm sure in Iowa is a big deal, but it's actually, trust me, something the NFL is keeping an eye on. The worst nightmare of the National Football League, and to be, f- to be fair, the NBA and MLB, but the NFL is the golden goose of, of of international American sports. It is, as you know, the most important not just sport in this country. It is the force for entertainment. I mean, if you look at ratings every year and just what rates across everything that's on television, the NFL, if you do a top fifty, twenty, hundred list, it dominates. Talk about live sports being the future. The NFL. Is the critical part of that, and they got to protect the golden goose. You got to be, you got to be careful with it. And a change has happened in sports. I think a good one the last three or four or five years. That is a threat to all of the sports if they don't manage them well. And that is that is gambling. That is legalized gambling, not just the legalization of gambling on sporting events because people were doing that. But the and I think wise, but the embrace that sports leagues have been required to 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 take with with gambling. They have partnerships, they do things in Las Vegas, this is part of the world. But there are consequences even to opportunities, and there are unintended consequences even when you go with your eyes open. And in the NFL, and in all professional sports, it is the notion and idea that you are going to have, and it's going to happen, you're going to have people who have gambling problems, you're going to have people who have judgment problems, you're going to have people who gamble on the sports they're associated with, or even the games they compete in. And that, like the Black Sox or the White Sox, most of us and most of you probably couldn't name a Black Sox from that scandal. Probably don't know the intricate details of the White Sox gambling scandal and what happened. But you know it's a black mark. You know that it's a scourge on the sport. You know that a century later, it means something that is terrible. And that is the fear of the NFL. And the name the NFL is looking at right now is Hunter Deckers. And this story in Iowa. So here here's the catch-up if you're if you're not familiar. Hunter Deckers is a... Mediocre quarterback at the collegiate level. I'm not trying to take a shot at Iowa State, even though my parents were Hawkeyes and that's a rivalry. It's a national radio show. Nobody else cares. I just want to get it in. For, you know, family. I right? got to look out for family. Hunter Deckers is a, is a starting quarterback for the Iowa State Cyclones. He's fine. I think it was 19 touchdowns to 14 interceptions last year. He's, he's adequate. He's the guy they're relying on this upcoming year. And he is one of a handful of, of, of folks. At Iowa State, including a few, three football players, himself included, who have been accused of gambling on sporting events while student-athletes. And in, in, in this case, and in Decker's case in particular, because he's still on the team and he's the quarterback, there's an accusation that he bet on a game he was a part of as a backup in 2021. And obviously that is a major, major no-no. And this is also a situation where allegedly, these are all allegations, the allegation is that on DraftKings, which a lot of us have played, right, FanDuel DraftKings, I did one the other day, that he did it when he wasn't 21 years old. The allegation is that he did it not under his own name because he wasn't legally able to sign up, but under his parents' name is the allegation and that there was then, as part of this, an alleged cover-up that he's now being investigated for. So you're talking not just the NCAA looking into this and the possibility possibility they could revoke his entire collegiate status, which I think is a very likely outcome, because I think the NCAA is going to try to make an example of, of the folks who are at the forefront of this, this problem. It's not the trail they want blazed, but on top of that, it's also a criminal investigation now. Now, here are the details of... of of what we know, four current and former players at Iowa State are accused of this kind of of, of this kind of behavior, betting on games. Uh, you've got a former Denver Bronco, who's one of them. You've got Deckers. You've also got players at, at other programs within Iowa State. For for Deckers, he is accused, and I'm just giving you the details. You can sort of make the judgment you want on right or wrong here. He is accused of making 366 bets, totaling about two thousand eight hundred dollars. It comes to about $7 a bet, and I'm not trying to say it's okay or not okay. I'm just telling you, at $7 a bet, he has jeopardized his future, and not just his future. He's not going to be an NFL player. A lot of these guys who play quarterback or any position collegiately, especially if you're a starting quarterback, set themselves up for a career in what they want to do. Boosters want to hire you. They want to be around you. I live in LA. There's a bunch of guys who are in finance, and they hire a lot of, they hire a lot of former players because they want to talk to these guys at dinner and lunch, and they think they're interesting. Deckers has jeopardized all of that. Now, some of the players involved, including the guy who, who's a Bronco, is alleged to have bet around $20,000 20, plus, and that, that's a more serious amount of money. But the money isn't what matters. It doesn't matter if Deckers bet $7 per bet or $1. The fact that he gambled, allegedly, on a game that he played in, Opens you up to all kinds of concerns and fears about the information that he had access to. He's obviously not throwing a game in any sense or even alleged to because he didn't play. But that's something that becomes a concern of eventually you do play. But the bigger issue here, I think, beyond the fact that, that this happened, and again, it's just Iowa State. If you live, if you're listening to us right now in Milwaukee or in San Antonio or out here in the West Coast or up in, up in the Redlands or anywhere you know down in Arkansas, you might be thinking, why do I care about Iowa State? You don't normally. And the NFL doesn't normally. But this is a reminder that just because something isn't universally known, it can still be happening. And the cover-up part of this that the quarterback is alleged to have done is a reminder that you almost certainly, and by certainly I mean it's a guarantee, you have people who are doing this at universities across the country. And the numbers reality, and the human psychology factors that go into this, and the fact that You don't magically get better judgment or become a better person or or throw off your gambling addiction or throw off your just poor judgment because you like to gamble. That's what it is the moment you you graduate from college. I was a pretty stupid person uh, when I was 22 years old at the University of Missouri, and I was still pretty stupid the next day when I walked, the day after I walked. I didn't suddenly become a, a bright, wise guy. There are people gambling across the country in college sports, not named Hunter Deckers and these other folks. And there are people probably gambling in the National Football League. And so this is a reminder. It's a public spectacle. It is a first look at the reaction from the authorities. And I'm talking legally in Iowa, where, again, this is a criminal situation as well, from DraftKings and and FanDuel and their ability to root these folks out. It should be a warning to players. They found him. They, they found out he was doing this under somebody else's name. It is a way to look at what the NCAA in this case does. The governing body, obviously, be the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball. If it were professional sports, it would be the SEC. If it was the SEC along with the NCAA. This is a look at the very dark reality of gambling in sports. And what we learn about this, what Decker's motivations were or weren't, how many other players, it turns out, did this. The fact that it really felt like it was almost contagious, because it's multiple people within the Iowa State program, including... Tom, what is this guy's name? And I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, because I know you work like three hours memorizing how to say this Bronco player's name. Ioma
4: Wazirike.
3: Well I mean, the fact that Wazirike did this is in the National Football League. And the Allegan- And by the way, Wazirike was suspended last week by the NFL. And where where are we at now? The National Football League has now suspended in the neighborhood of 10 players I think since April since April for violations of the league's gambling problem and they're not necessarily major names but I think another concern here if you're the NFL and again MLB the NBA everybody isn't just that it happened but it's there's a cluster of guys where this where this took place and you want to get into were these dudes friends was it culturally acceptable did the, did somebody talk about the fact they did it and it wasn't a big deal and it spread the message because it's not just whether or not people gamble on games that they're a part of. It's not just whether or not they gamble on games they played in, which is not the allegation, at least for Deckers, because he was the backup quarterback that day. Although, again, the guy has been a starter for a minute now. We don't know if he got better, allegedly, at hiding who he was gambling through or not. I don't know. I mean, you never know if mom and dad came home one day and like, why am I getting text messages and emails from DraftKings about my winnings? And he switched to somebody, right? Do, and that is the nightmare for the NFL, is that this is, as ugly on the surface as it is, just the tip of the iceberg. And it speaks to almost certainly the problems all these leagues are going to have to face. People are going to gamble. People are going to try to cover up the fact that they gambled. People are going to try to use inside information as players. I just had a conversation, I was part of a group talk with a, um, a guy that makes Vegas Lions the other day. And he was talking about how, in Vegas now they've created algorithms and people who watch it who literally monitor bets that come in. let's say let me give an example. let's say, um, let's say LeBron James is a late scratch from a Lakers game. It's obviously going to make the line move really, really quickly, and they don't know where it's coming from yet, but they've noticed in the last year or so, I was told, people who are making bets 10, 15, 60 seconds ahead of Shams or Woj or the local beat writer putting out the first lebron's out tonight right cuz when, the, when when the news comes out everybody goes and tries to gamble on that stuff but there's some inside information where these big bets are coming in or this rush of bets and we had this conversation yesterday before I even thought about Hunter Decker's or 2 days ago with with this guy who makes lines but I'm like where did it come from and he's like we don't know we're not is it someone on the staff is it someone inside well that's another concern maybe it's players maybe it's the backup quarterback or the backup point guard who's listening to what's going on, who knows an hour earlier or ten minutes earlier, and has sent information out to his bookie. These are the things the NFL and all these sports leagues have to worry about. This is the nightmare scenario. And, and this is why I think Hunter Deckers, whether you think he deserves a massive punishment or you think he's a young idiot who made a mistake in college, which a lot of people did, who bet an average of $7, and $7 per bet is, and I don't know, we don't know, It it, it could be, Right? Is he betting on games in terms of it's the over-under it's the point total? Or is it a, is he betting these these DraftKings fan duel things where you pick a lineup and he put an Iowa stake? I don't know. We, we're not sure. Doesn't matter. Because this is an insight into what the NFL is going to have to deal with. You're going to have players who are backups who do it. You're going to have players who are backup quarterbacks who do it. You're going to have players who start who do it. And eventually you're probably going to have star players who do this. And the ability to root it out And to try to root it out before it becomes public. Because once it's criminal, the NCAA and Iowa State can't cover this up themselves. Can't hide it. Can't take care of it internally. Once the criminal prosecution, that's a public record. Look, it's a bummer. It's not the way you always want to open a show. A lot of us want to talk about all of the assignments D-Cell has refused to do. A few of you hit me up about it. I get it. But this is a huge, huge story. And I love sports gambling. And I like to gamble on poker. And I've gambled for a long time. But I was taught as a kid, you have to bet what you're willing to lose, and you have to understand the rules and the limits of those things. And if you play in these leagues and you play these sports, you don't bet on these games. Guys are going to do it, and the punishment has to be swift. If it's me, and I feel bad for the kid, I'm never letting him play in college football again, ever. He doesn't, he doesn't set foot on a college football field of any kind, a college athletic situation of any kind, Ever again. You've got to make an example of them because this is just the beginning. 855-212-4CBS is the phone number. Uh, I like people that talk too much. I mean, I guess that's because I talk too much. I have no filter. I'm one of these guys where people that don't know me will ask me a question. Do I look fat in this dress or, or the equivalent, right? Or, or, you know, do you think I'm good at my job or do, do, do you like my girlfriend? And I'll inevitably say, hey, man, do you, do you really want me to be honest about this? People that work with me and for me have known this and they'll be like, yeah. And that's like, no, you don't. That's why I kind of like what, what Max Scherzer did. He went full disclosure. So if you're if you're a fan of candor, you're going to like Scherzer's comments after he got traded to the Rangers. If you're a Mets fan and you want to think that there's any hope for this season or ne- really next season, you might want to just cover your ears. Some harsh candor on the New York Mets coming from Max Scherzer next year on CBS Sports Radio.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: You're listening to Writer Than You. Do you like tomatoes?
3: Yes, I like tomatoes. Would you climb to the top of a mountain in an arduous journey battling bridge trolls eat a tomato? No, I don't love tomatoes that much. Right, it just depends on the work you have to go through. A lobster is a lot of work. Got to crack the shell, got to get in there, and then like people were sucking at the leg. I'm like, okay, I'll try it, and I got a sliver of meat that I mistook for hair.
4: <laughs> I think you're over exaggerating, just a I'm little, not. just a little bit there. I'm not
3: on CBS Sports Radio. You love the lobster talk, Tom. You're in, you're just trying to defend the honor. Of lobsters everywhere.
4: I got to give the people what they want. People love the lobster
3: debate. I've even brought up they look like red. I know they're not all red until they get
4: boiled. Red sea spiders. We haven't even
3: talked about what they look
4: like. Red sea spiders. So it freaks you out looking at them. No. If the meat was
3: good, I'd eat the red sea spiders. But I'm just saying, on top of everything else, look, I'm not going down this road again. Let's take a phone call at cbs right? There's more meat on this bone than a lobster's bone as we talk about the NCAA. Uh, Mike in Boise is on the line. Mike, appreciate you, brother. Welcome back to CBS Sports Radio. Right on. Hey, thanks for taking my call.
5: Bro, admittedly, I didn't hear the whole conversation, but I about spit out my coffee when I heard <laughs> the end. Now, you're making some good points about uh, what people do in the NFL after they're in their career and they've got to have – Decision-making so they can get hired and donors and whatnot. But, dude, we're talking about college kids? You said these guys got to get – like,
2: we've got to make an example of this
5: kid and he should never step foot on a college field again? Bro, when I heard you say that, I was like, dude, doesn't even have his brain fully developed. Until they're 25, that's what they say. Like, this guy was obviously not acting by himself. He's got other knucklehead friends, making bets, poor decisions, abound at that age.
0: Sure,
5: but let him get to the NFL when he's got handlers. He's got an agent. Then they should know better. And I'll take my comment off the call, off the air. I just want to let you know, bro. You sound like a
6: maniac when you said that, bro. It's a kid, a kid. Thanks, bro. Yeah,
3: Mike. Thanks, Mike. Don't spit. Look, I feel bad. I want to disagree, but don't spit the coffee out. Coffee's important. Coffee. Don't don't do that. Look, I I love and respect the the fact you called in. Thank you. Just disagree. Just I have a a vastly vastly different view on it. Here's here's the thing for me, and you're right. The science says that that people don't fully develop until they're 25. I was I wasn't being facetious or falsely humble. I was dumb at 23. I'm smarter now. I'm also fatter. But what a different different conversation? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This dude is 22 years old, and at 22 years old, you're you're old enough to drive a car, right? For years, there are consequences if you did that in a way that is detrimental or problematic. You're old enough to serve in the military. You're old enough to vote. Most people that are 22 have jobs in the world. A bunch of my buddies didn't go to college, right? They were responsible at 18, 19 for taking care of themselves. And college kid being a a, a term and a euphemism, he's not a child. And I also think that, for me, I've said for years that I thought college players should be paid. Right or wrong, big believer in NIL and that opportunity. Because I think it took away the lie. But now that it's here, there is no pretending these are employees of a major multi million slash billion dollar corporation entity enterprise. And this dude made a huge mistake that jeopardizes that. If I so when I was like twenty one or twenty two years old, if I um I worked at Walmart in part to help get m- myself through through college over summers. And if I at Walmart, as a twenty two year old, had done something that was detrimental to the Walmart brand in such a serious way that it became a public story, and it it endangered the way people viewed Walmart. And people knew I, I would have trouble getting hired going forward. People would be able to Google me. Walmart would rightfully be able to fire me, and other places may not hire me. It's just, there are consequences. Mike is I just going to agree to disagree. There are consequences for your behavior and consequences for your decisions, even when you're in college, and this dude, if he was nineteen, I'd feel the same way he's twenty two he's he's a twenty two year old man college kid twenty two year old man um I don't really want to do this to Andrew Buggish, but it's in the news, and so i'm I'm going to because it's very rare when a guy gets traded that he's incredibly candid about the private conversations of the g m who who moved him on now to be fair to the Mets they i thought had the guts to sell the players they needed to sell up leading up to and including you know right before the deadline. Verlander, Scherzer, those are big those are big pieces for teams that went and got them. And it's going to be kind of fun to watch Verlander and Scherzer go at each other in the American League for for the Astros and, and the Rangers re- respectively. But at Scherzer's introductory press conference, eyebrows kind of went up just the the honesty when when he was asked what the Mets brass told him before they traded him
6: the team is now uh, kind of shifting vision and, and that uh, they're looking to compete uh, now for 2025 and 2026 uh, and that, um, you know, 2024 there, the, it was not going to be a reload situation uh, in New York and that it was going to be more of a transition um, in 2024 and uh, that they're, you know, we're looking to, um, you know, make decisions you know, for uh, to compete outside my contract window. Um, I said, okay, you know, that's a you know, brand new, <laughs> brand news to me, uh, different than what I'd ever heard out of uh, Steve's mouth. I was like, all right, I gotta hear this directly from Steve. So I had a phone call with Steve um, and he basically articulated the same uh, vantage point that that was the new vision for the Mets. Uh, and that was the new timeline that they were identifying and that um, you know players that were under contract for uh, next year that they could be potentially sold off at the deadline right now. And that the team could be really flipped around uh, at the deadline, you know, as we speak.
3: So I have a couple takeaways, and I'd be interested in Bogush's and, and, and Tom's take as well. But on top of just the candor and the honesty and all the Mets who are still there having to process, oh, so next year's kind of a wash. I also think it's Stevie's referring to Steve Cohen, the owner. I also think it's interesting that in that organization, the GM tells you this is our plan, and your response is, ah, I'm going to go to the guy that's really in charge. I mean, I don't really believe you. Let me. T- You're going to call the owner just to make sure? You have access to. I know that he's Max Scherzer, but and maybe I'm too old school. When I was a beat writer back in the day, players didn't have access to owners in in, in that in that way. To me, it just reinforces the fact that that <laughs> the Mets are are running a pretty interesting way. Um, Andrew, do you mind this, or is this much much ado about nothing?
5: Um, I mean, I mind it in terms of like admitting defeat and this year being embarrassing and the Mets again being a punchline. But in the end, this was the right way to do this. They backed themselves into a corner this year. And instead of putting their head in the sand and just pushing forward, like nothing was going to change or things would change. They made the change happen. They've got money to burn and they burned it to get rid of these guys and to get, prospects back for them Uh, i'd also point out that scherzer was as responsible as anybody for the reasons why this year did not go well and the way why last year ended um i don't have high hopes for him as a ranger this year or next year um so (laughs) and you know there's a there's a tiny nice way to say he sucks yeah i think he's washed i think he's washed um there is a there's a tiny conspiracy theory that the Mets kind of told him these things, so he would waive his no-trade clause so they could get rid of him and get things back. Um, But then again, they kept going and got rid of Verlander, too. So I'd also dispute the characterization of next year. They're not tanking. They are not going to be the worst in the So he's that transition. Yeah. So they still are going to, to me, this is a team that still will be capable of winning a wild card, which is, is less of a compliment with a third wild card but if the brewers and the and the marlins can hang on a wild card spot right now this year the mets could do that next year with alonzo mcneil nimo alvarez senga Quintana. and they're going to spend some money on players they're just not going to go crazy bringing in big people again like they just did I,
3: I just think it's interesting to hear a player be that honest about the private conversations with a gm and i don't i love it because it gives us something to talk about but tom i I can't imagine the Mets love it.
4: Bill, I did something I normally don't do. You watched the game? No, I changed my mind. Oh, you beat me to it. I changed my mind on this. First, I read these quotes from Max Scherzer, and I I wasn't fired up about it, but it bothered me. I thought it was wrong. Then I heard the sound that we just played, and I don't think what he did crossed any lines. Like, Max Scherzer's a veteran. He's a professional. As are most of the players on the Mets team, like, he said yes. He said verbally what the Mets have been saying for the past few days here. Like, if you're a Mets player, if you're in the Mets front office, if you're paying attention, you already know they're transitioning. You know, okay, maybe it wasn't a fire sale at the deadline, but transitioning, whatever you want to call it, they're They, they said
5: repurpose before. They used that stupid word before Scherzer said anything. So they're the story was out there. They're not trying repurpose. To, They're yes. not
4: trying to win a World Series in the near future. Like, I think everybody sees that. And I'm not bothered. I don't think Scherzer did anything wrong.
3: Um, I, I want to bring this up, too. I'm a total subject change, but I don't know if you saw this, Andrew. I, I, Decent and I sent each other sort of sports links and stories, and we responded. I sent one to, to Tommy over here, to Pretty Daddy, to the bristler, and I didn't get a response. It was uh, it said Trey Lance doing Trey Lance things, and it was a clip of Trey Lance doing a drill and then just bombing what, 10 feet over the head of a a very sad-looking coach who was supposed to catch that that ball. Uh, Tom, I know you want to defend uh, Trey Lance. You still think he is a top-seven quarterback in the NFL and trending to (laughs) historical heights. Um,
4: Just have at it, man. Uh, This may or may not be a part of buy or sell next hour, but um, Trey Lance... Still needs an opportunity. Yes. The video you sent me, you wanna take it a sucks. You wanna take a ten second clip? Yes. He overthrew the receiver by 10, 12 feet, wasn't even close. It was laughable. Pump the
5: brakes. It's <laughs>
4: August 2nd.
3: That assistant coach basically burst into tears in the clip. The it's best part of the clip is the assistant uh, coach.
5: It's All August not- 2nd of his, like, 23rd year on the <laughs> yeah. planet. All and his sixth lost. year as a high-end quarterback. And he's missing guys by half a state.
4: All is not lost. It's mm. okay. Yeah, like it. He struggled. There's been reports from The Athletic. There's re- been reports from NBC Sports Bay Area. Th- there's he- been reports from our
5: eyeballs. Right. <laughs> the there's streets. literally only negative reports. There's never been, man, is he good. It's always, he can't walk anymore. He, he's great, except for the whole throw in the football thing. He's so bad. Kyle Shanahan is already publicly considered having four quarterbacks on the roster this year. Teams don't want to have three. They may go to four because they can't admit defeat and get rid of him. But maybe he can't, maybe he's not playable in a game.
4: If and when he ever gets another opportunity to start Talk to me. a game Talk to me. and he plays poorly, I will change my take. Until that happens, I'm not worried about him playing poorly in training camp on okay. August 1st and August 2nd. Sorry. I mean,
3: you are the guy who wanted him over Tom Brady. Yes. Yes. yes.
4: And I have not been proven wrong yet. No, you have. You <laughs> he are has wrong. not played. You he are wrong. He has not played. Because he overthrew it. An assistant coach during a drill? Uh, a drill? No, because is... they
5: gave him no chance to compete for the job because Brock Purdy was good at the end of last year.
4: He was great at the end of last year. He lost one game. Every quarterback that's
3: ever, ever performed and played under Kyle Shanahan other than one guy
4: has been great. Do you know that one guy is? Oh, come on. That's... Trey Lance. There's not enough of a sample size to say that. It's not been... He didn't get drafted three weeks ago, bro. Right. Yes, but he still barely has played. Your sample, because he
5: sucks. Right. Your sample size is all of the time he has with them to prove to them that he can play and when it got to this office, I mean Bill Belichick yesterday wouldn't even say that Mac Jones oh, is a starting quarterback. And before Brock Purdy was healthy, they said whenever his arm is good, he's the starter. Not the guy we traded multiple picks for to take in the first round. You
4: can't give Kyle Shannon all the credit for Brock Purdy because there's no way he I'm knew not. that Brock Purdy was gonna be that good.
5: Of course not. But Brock Purdy's better than Trey Lance.
4: He gets
3: a lot of credit for Brock Purdy. Yeah. And you know, yeah, and to Bogus' point. Brock Purdy gets some credit for Brock Purdy. Brock you know who Purdy doesn't? Trey gets the, majority Lance. Of the
4: credit for Brock Purdy. I don't
3: know, man. Situa- the point is, situation matters. You brought up, you brought up the the Mac Jones thing, and we can just listen to it. Belichick and, and Bogus talked about it, but Belichick was asked whether with uh who was the big Bailey Zappy guy? Was that you, Diesel? Oh, yeah, Whether yes. <laughs> whether Zapp whether it was a quarterback competition? And the answer should be no, Max, our guy. But this was Belichick's answer.
6: Everybody's out here competing. It's all ninety guys. Yeah, that's what we're all here for, just go out and compete.
4: So Mac Jones isn't
3: necessarily your... Everybody's out here competing. Everybody's
6: out here competing. That's what everybody's doing. We asked
5: Mac the other day how his relationship, is it good with you? And he said, I think so. I'm just curious, what's your characterization of your relationship? my relationship's good with every player.
3: Here's the deal. Mac Jones screwed because they set him up to fail. But the reason this is happening is because... The Patriots decided they didn't need an offensive coordinator with, what, a second-year quarterback? Is that where he was in his career? I mean, what a joke. But the, the, I think the connective tissue here to this and what's going on in San Francisco is that situation matters and culture matters. And in a quarterback's case, how an organization, the head coach, and the staff are at bringing out the best and you or ruining you. The Patriots obviously aren't good at this, clearly. You just heard it. They're bad at, at quarterback development. They got lucky with Brady. On the other end of the spectrum, maybe the best organization in football by far at developing quarterbacks, you can make a case of the Chiefs, but I think that's all Mahomes, is the Niners. It's whoever ro- Jimmy Garoppolo looked like an impressive quarterback for stretches under, under Kyle Shanahan. And even in that quarterback paradise, that petri dish of quarterback growth, Tom, Trey Lance is a meme.
4: Everyone knows about you. This is the best I can give you guys. It's not trending up. I, but all is not oh, Wow. All is oh, not
3: Breaking lost. news.
4: All is not. I don't even know if Brock Purdy's going to be ready. He's on schedule right now. Let's, let's you know, is he going to go through two weeks of practice and that elbow is going to be sore? Trey Lance may get an opportunity based on default. fall. I want to see him play in an NFL game again.
3: Do you like watching people fail? Is that why? Are you a masochist? Are you just... Do you like watching suffering and sadness? No, I'm not giving up on the dude yet. Okay, great, <laughs> great talk. I love, I love dude. Uh, whoever you're listening, whether you're drinking your coffee, driving around, listening on the Odyssey app. Love Tom. This is just real insight into anything that 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 he says, and he won't change his mind. Tom could tell you. Tom could get confused and tell you that Barack Obama is still the president of the United States and he would have trouble cor- he would just not be able to correct the record. <laughs> no, now was a the president after him and now there's another guy.
4: Well, the way you worded the question it wasn't clear so I said <laughs> I mean
3: <laughs> come on. All right, let's um I want let's let's do an update on the pack 12. We we hit it a lot yesterday at the start of the show. They we've got some details on their rights package. I actually think that it's promising. But it also indicates the vulnerability we discussed yesterday. So we'll get into the Pac-12 and the future of that endangered conference after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogush.
2: You're listening to Writer Than You.
3: I think you're overestimating your mother-in-law's support of you on this show.
2: (laughs) (laughs) On CBS Sports Radio.
3: (laughs) Welcome back. Uh, A drowning man would be unwise to complain about the nature of the life preserver thrown his direction. You just grab onto it and, and you hope that it works. And that to me is is where the Pac-12 is on this on this Apple TV Plus. Apple TV Plus. I was supposed to call this thing. There's the Apple TV. Uh, I was going Apple TV. I get confused all the all the streamings, the streams. Here's the deal. Uh, Apple is the leader in the clubhouse in terms of what was presented yesterday to the remaining uh, Pac-12 schools, of which there are three. That's a joke. There are nine. It just feels like there are three. Uh, There are nine of them. It would be a relatively short-term contract, according to the reporting. It would start in the 2024 season, which is a year from now, which is a huge problem because without a TV deal, people can just walk without any kind of penalty, and there's no incentive to stick around, which is why we have USC, UCLA, Colorado not just leaving, but leaving without having to pay any kind of penalty. And according to sources of those who, who cover the sport, the deal would incrementally improve and potentially be competitive with its peers In the Big 12 and ACC, provided certain subscription numbers are met. That's a whole lot of maybe could be, sort of. It's like if you buy a car and you say, Is this car going to cost me 10 grand? And the guy says, Well, I might be able to get it to 10 grand if certain things happen, considering the possibilities of what could be. You better look at the fine print. Now, we don't know what those subscription requirements are. We do know that Apple TV is not a charity, that the Apple Corporation, which I just saw is the seventh largest in the world, became that because they are very good at the business of making money, and we do know that if this were a slam dunk, if this were a survival mechanism, hell, if this were the 30 almost $2 million the Big 12 is going to get per school in two years when their deal kicks in, mostly schools would have rush to approve it. Didn't happen. A, because it's probably underwhelming, and B, because there are schools who are still thinking about leaving. Uh, Arizona Arizona State and Utah, I believe, are being heavily courted, right off the top of my head, uh, by the Big 12. And if you're those schools, and you're looking at the numbers, and you're seeing the $32 million per year, and by the way, those are, Arizona, Arizona State would be a big pull, because Phoenix is a very big TV market. What I don't know, what I'm uncertain about, what I'm not an expert on, and Tom, you and I discussed this yesterday. It, okay, so you're... You go to a Pac-12 school, and you go out into the world. If you are a Pac-12 alumnus who wants to watch games, and you move to Chicago, or you move to New York, or you move to Miami, or you move to Dallas, or you move to Milwaukee, or you move to Des Moines, Iowa, and so on and so forth. If you watch games in your home market, you're not going to do enough to greatly affect the Nielsen ratings. You're You're just not you're going to be dispersed, right? Like, there's a lot of Pac-12 people who live in L.A., so L.A. does pretty well in that respect in terms of the numbers they put up. A lot of Pac-12 people obviously live in San Francisco and in San Diego and in Oregon and in Arizona, this part of the country. What I don't know is if, if there's enough of a Pac-12 market that's dispersed around the country that at, I don't know what it would cost, nine ninety nine a month or $50 of the year, whatever the amount would be, to tally up enough subscriptions that these numbers are met And that the revenue becomes competitive. What I do know, Tom, as somebody who works in the streaming industry, and CBS Sports HQ, which I work for, has done extremely well and is a big success story. But it took a long time. We've been around for for five years, and it took some time to get there. And we had a company that had the patience to sort of put in the time, and that isn't true for every streaming company that's out there, every entrepreneurial person who wants to stream. It sometimes is an investment. And and I'm not sure that Pac-12 is in a position where they're going to be able to say, well, in four or five years, we're going to make all the money. They don't make all the money right away, the conference dies. This deal doesn't convince today, whether it's a great deal or not in the long run, enough of these schools to stick around, the conference dies. I still don't think the Pac-12 is, is surviving this thing, Tom, but I do think it's a life preserver thrown in their direction, and you've got to cling to it if this is all you got.
4: I may have been proven wrong in the sense of this deal may actually be better than I thought it was going to be. But you can't tell me that anybody who was a part of that meeting yesterday, ahead of any school that's still remaining, those nine schools in the Pac-12, even felt that this deal was adequate because, Bill, they would have come to a deal yesterday. Like you said, they would have jumped onto that life preserver. Nobody did that yesterday. They didn't even take a vote yesterday. I can't see schools signing up for, well, if we hit this, maybe it'll work out. It could work. Nobody's signing up for that when all the other Power 5 conferences – are dealing with certainties. Do you
3: think that there was sadness in the hallways of the CW? Because I know there was in, in, in my heart. I was kind of looking forward to coming on and making some CW jokes.
4: I thought, I thought that's where we were headed.
3: Apple. Now, I, I will say this. Apple is being aggressive in pursuing sports. Obviously, Major League Baseball. I, I, don't, I don't watch MLS, but I do now. I paid for the entire season pass to watch Messi play. And he plays tonight. I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch that soccer. Soccer. I'm gonna watch that soccer game. And so I have been trained by Apple to to pay for and to watch, depending on the the product, sports on Apple TV. So it is a model that can work. I just don't know if you've got the numbers with the schools that are left, which is the same problem you have all. Over. This might be. Have you seen Pretty Woman, Tom? I have. All right. Richard Gere is a guy that goes in and buys companies, and then he strips them apart and sells them because the pieces are worth more than the total. But then a a hard-working lady uh, wins his heart, and he decides not to break up this latest company, and an old guy and his rich son at a fancy dinner are happy. That's basically the plot of the film. I think the Pac-12 is like the the companies that that Richard Gere and Pretty Woman used to rip apart. I think the Pac-12 schools are worth more as pieces than they are in their entirety now that USC and UCLA, UCLA are gone and the problem is they're they're not they're not allies these schools they 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 work in convenience with each other as long as it's symbiotic and i think you're going to see because this deal is not overwhelming because there are tiers because if those tiers were exceptional as you said there'd be a rush to get this deal done i think you're still going to see an exit and all it takes is one school one more to leave to start a stampede and, and to be fair or to be more accurate we've all probably already seen the stampede we just don't know where everyone's ended up yet. The moment the Big Ten took the two big schools here in L.A. and then Colorado followed suit, I don't think the Pac-12 makes it. But it is, it's it's better than the CW. It just is. And and so we'll see if the Pac-12 can sell the notion and sell the idea to its member schools. Stick around. But if Arizona, or Arizona State, or Utah... Decide to go somewhere else, or Oregon starts to be like, you know what? It's not going to make it. Let's get in while the getting in is good to some other conference like the Big Ten. It's over, and we may already be there. We just don't know it. You got to believe most of these school presidents and athletic directors have an inclination whether they want to stay or they want to go. And all nine are you think all nine are committed? I'm not sure. I put money on that as much as I'd like it to be true. Uh, we have not. We've talked some MLB trade deadline, but let's get into it in depth. Jim Bowden, longtime former GM, excellent MLB analyst, including at CBS Sports HQ, is going to give us his breakdown on yesterday's trade deadline next year on CBS Sports Radio.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.